Hello. Um, today's reading is uh, from John chapter 6, and we're reading verses 25 to 40. Um, so in the Black Bibles, that's on page 1657. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what, were, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Thanks, Heather, and good morning once again, everyone. Over the next uh, 15 to 20 minutes, I'd like us to turn our attention to the passage that Heather just read to us. And to get us in the mood for that, I um, need a lounge chair. Luckily, I've got one here that I prepared earlier. Because I want you to get into the mood of this passage a little. And to do that, I need to sit down, put my feet up, and just take a bit of a load off. See, I want you to relax as well, and to think back to that space and time when everything was just going well, and you were satisfied. Perhaps you had a cracking cup of tea in one hand. Maybe you'd just done a hard day's work and it had all gone according to plan. Things had worked out just the way you'd hoped. Jobs going well, relationships are sweet, money's in the bank, health is good, no aches and pains. Maybe the rain's gently falling on the roof and you're just satisfied. Bills paid, task list done, kids in bed, and you're satisfied. Can you remember that feeling? All that time? The problem is that I reckon that it didn't last for very long. How long? An hour, 20 minutes? Maybe it was even more fleeting than that. Perhaps you were just settling down into the lounge room chair when you remembered you hadn't made the bed or the dog hadn't been fed. 
fleeting, isn't it? Those moments of satisfaction or satiation. I want to suggest that our passage that Heather read to us today, it's all about finding satisfaction, finding comfort and peace and security. Here's what I want you to see from our text today. Satisfaction can only be found in Jesus. Satisfaction can only be found in Jesus. See, I think the idea that lies behind the text that we were reread today is this, that we were created by a God who wants us to find completion in Him, to find satisfaction in Him, and to be filled by Him. And I think that no matter how far or how wide or how deep we search, no matter how much money we spend or how much we outsource life's problems to other people, I want to suggest to you this morning that we will never find satisfaction unless we find it in Jesus. Here at Trinity Church Only, we are a church that's all about wanting to make and grow disciples of Jesus. We want Jesus to be the one who we follow, who we worship, who we adore. And I want you to see also that this morning that Jesus is the one in which we can find satisfaction. Over the next six weeks, we're looking at a series in John's Gospel. We'll be spending quite a bit of time in John's Gospel as a church this year. But we're not starting right at the very beginning of John's Gospel. Rather, over the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at some sayings that Jesus says about himself in John's Gospel. He says things like this. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. I want to suggest to you this morning that the Apostle John, he wrote these words down for us, but these I am sayings, they were actually said by Jesus. And so I think they give us a wonderful opportunity to get to know Jesus better. Today, we've seen Hong make a a public declaration about her belief and her faith, and her trust in Jesus. And today you might just be wondering, why would anyone do that? Why bother with Jesus? Today we see one answer. We see Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. That Jesus is the only one, indeed the only thing that can provide real satisfaction and satiation. That, I think, is the big idea of this passage. Jesus wants us to come to him, to believe in him, because we were created to find comfort and rest and peace with him. We were created to find satisfaction with him. We're reading today from John chapter 6, but we're kind of breaking into the story midway. We're picking up the chapter from verse 25, if you didn't notice that. By the way, we're looking at page 1657 of the Bibles. That's where John chapter 6 is, and if you haven't got it open, please do so. I just want you to know what's going on, because we're entering midway through the chapter, what's going on in the rest of this chapter. And bread and eating has been a big part of the earlier verses in this chapter. Now, I don't know about you, but I love bread. During the school holidays, Miff and the kids did an activity where they turned cream into butter one day, and Miff made a new style of bread to go along with it, and it was the best. There's something so satisfying about bread, especially when you slap a bit of butter on top of it. I've got a a fresh loaf here, just to kind of give you a reminder of what bread looks like. In case it's been a while, maybe you're on a kind of New Year's resolution, you're not doing bread for a while. 
Um, it's like, it's like you see what bread looks like. You know, for some cultures, bread is the dominant form of calories and nourishment. For others, it's rice, and for some, it's potatoes. You know, in our house, sometimes I think it's tomato sauce. Like, tomato sauce is the dominant form of calories. It just goes on everything. But for the people who John was writing to, for Israel, bread was a dominant food source. They had other things to eat, of course, but bread was the base. It might have been bread a bit like this, tasty, fresh, not long, warm. Or it might have been more like the pita bread that you sometimes see, a bit dry, a bit tough, but nonetheless, it'll still fill your belly. In verse 25 of John chapter 6, we see that the crowds are looking for Jesus. My question is, why? Why are they looking for Jesus? I think the answer is, if you look back at the heading of John chapter 6, you'll see why in your Bible. Just look back across at the heading on page, page, just page over, John chapter 6. See, Jesus has just worked one of his most well-known miracles with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Jesus has just fed 5,000 men Plus, I assume about the same number of women and children as well. See, after listening to him speak to the crowds, the people were hungry. And he fed them food. He's literally filled their bellies. I reckon they felt pretty good there, sitting on the grass, as it says in John's Gospel, on the shore of Lake Galilee, feasting on bread and fish. The people were satisfied. Not long after that feeding miracle, Jesus takes off and he actually walks out across the lake, walks on top of the water. And so now in verse 25, he's moved on from where he was and the people don't know where he's gone and they're searching for him. Today we've read in Hong's testimony that she was also searching for God. But don't you see in verse 25 that the people here in John's Gospel, I think they're searching for different reasons. This is what they say, rabbi or teacher they say, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus said, you're searching for me because you got a free feed. Even in our world of excess today, today in 2020, I think we all love a free feed, right? I learned last year that if you go to Bunnings on a Friday morning, they have donuts and pies completely free for the tradies so I've been kind of scheming at my desk trying to work out all the reasons I need to go to Bunnings on a Friday morning and trying to work out exactly what I need to wear to kind of pretend that I'm a tradie free food it's attractive today as it was back then and yet free food just like it does today like a lukewarm pie and a stale donut are causing problems for the people Jesus says, you're missing the point. In verse 27, he chastises them. Look at the text. It says, you're looking for the wrong thing. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus is saying, don't seek out the free meal. Rather, look for the food that endures to eternal life. Food that endures to eternal life. I want to stop here just for a moment because this is kind of a bit left field, isn't it? Food that endures to eternal life. And today we have superfoods. I doubt they existed back when John wrote this gospel. Things like kale smoothies and chia seeds and activated almonds and quinoa. Now that's supposed to be good for you. I think they might even help you live a few extra years. But 
Jesus is not just talking about a few extra years here. He's talking about eternal life. The king of the universe, the creator, he's talking about eternal life. Which means it's time to sit up and listen, isn't it? And to take notice. Eternal life is on view here. This is far more important than a lukewarm pie or that stale donut. I want you to see that what is on offer here in John's Gospel, eternal life, is given by the Son of Man, by Jesus, by the King of the universe, by the Creator. And so the people ask, as I think we probably would do as well, what do we need to do to get this bread? Jesus answers in verse 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Seems so simple, doesn't it? We've skipped the first few chapters in John's Gospel, so I just want to go back and give you a bit more of an idea about this, this thing of eternal life and belief in Jesus, the one who gives this eternal life. Because this is a big theme in John's Gospel. In fact, it's really the reason why John wrote this Gospel in the first place. Come with me to the end of John's Gospel, to chapter 20, on page 1686. As John gives us this great verse, verse 30 of chapter 20, great verse about why he wrote this gospel. And he tells us he wrote this gospel because he wants us to believe. Verse 30, chapter 20, says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Bread like this, if you're really hungry, it'll keep you alive for a while. But this bread will never give you eternal life. Jesus says, seek after the sort of bread that will give you eternal life. And he says, you don't get that by being a good person. You don't get it by being successful. It can't be bought. You don't earn it via merit. It's not about your rank in the world. He says, you get it by believing. I think the people who are listening at this point, I think this is just going over their heads. Or maybe they're letting their current concerns, being hungry, get the better of them. Because they asked Jesus for another sign. Let me read on. So they asked him, this is back in chapter 6. What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe? What will you do? Verse 31. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. When I, when I read this at first, I was trying to work out what was going on in the minds of the people at this point. See, have they all bumped their heads? He's, he's just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. What sort of a sign do you want? But here's the thing, right? You can fill your stomach right to the brim today. In fact, I hope you do that at lunch. Fill yourself right to the brim with the lunch that we have today. But the reality is, tomorrow you'll be hungry again. See, the people can't seem to get past their very immediate needs of filling their stomachs. And I wonder sometimes if we're a bit like this, do we put off the things of God, thinking, I'll just come back to that another day. Maybe today I'm hosting a lunch, and then I've got to get the kids' basketball uniforms washed, and and then there are a couple of meals that I've got to make for the rest of the week. 
and then the car needs a clean, and, and the dog, or oh, that needs a brush as well, and I haven't paid those bills that were due last week, and that email that I'm going to send to my boss, if I just don't do it today, it's never going to happen. Oh, and it's also bin night. There's just always so very much to do, isn't there? I want to encourage you, don't let the things of this world get in the way of what Jesus is saying here. Do those tasks, you can still do them tomorrow, and I'm sorry, but they're still going to be there next week as well. But here Jesus is giving us bread that endures for eternal life. This morning, don't overlook that offer. Come to Jesus, believe in him. How do we do that? Well, we simply pray to God, handing ourselves over to Jesus, submitting to his lordship, his kingship, his will in our lives. If you haven't done that, I don't want you to put it off. Don't let the things in the world take over. Something else that might be going on behind this text relates to the way in which Israel understood the coming of the Messiah. See, you might remember in Israel's history, they had that time when they fleed Egypt and they then wandered in the desert. And without food in the desert, they were starving. And so God sent them manna from heaven. You might remember the story. Manna came falling from the sky every day except Sunday for 40 years. I've read this week that the Israelites, they kind of thought that there was a storehouse of bread kind of up in the sky, up in heaven. And they thought that Moses, who was their leader at that time, was able to unlock that storehouse and allow the bread to fall down. And so the people revered Moses because he could unlock the storehouse. And the thinking went then that when Israel's Messiah came, well, that Messiah would also be able to unlock the storehouse and the manna would then rain down again. So can you see the question kind of behind the text that's going on here? The people are saying, are you as powerful as Moses? Will the bread that Moses made down from heaven rain down again? If you're the Messiah, will you feed us bread every day, just like the manna in the desert? And look at the way Jesus addresses this in verse 32. Very truly, I tell you, It is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. See, it wasn't Moses who gave him the bread in the wilderness. It was God the Father who did that. And Jesus is saying, you've missed the point of the manna. It's God alone who provides, not Moses. God's provision, that was the whole point in the manna. It wasn't just to fill your stomachs, but it was to remind you that God is a good God, a provider God. It was to remind you of your reliance upon him and to help you live for him. If you doubt that, it says kind of this in in Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to read to you from Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you want to turn there, verse 2, you can, but you could also just listen to me. This is what it says there. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years? to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. See, Moses didn't send the bread from heaven. That was God the Father. And man doesn't live on bread alone, not this sort of bread, no. 
That'll fill your stomachs now, but what Jesus offers, that really satisfies. That is the true bread that's come down from heaven. And the people say, give us this bread. I think they're still expecting the storehouses of heaven to open and manna to fall down. But it's not made with, not bread made with flour and water that sustains. What sustains is the word of God. It's Jesus that sustains. And so Jesus tells them, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. These are Jesus' words. Come to him. He is where satisfaction is found. See, we've been created, haven't we, to bring glory to God, to be in relationship with him, to find our place in God's family. That is where we belong. That is where satisfaction is found and where thirst is quenched. I happen to be reading in Psalm 55 this week, this is what it says in verse 2, cast all your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. Cast all your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Here's an offer from the God who created the universe, the one who formed you. Find life in him. I wonder what the crowd, if you're part of that crowd, I wonder what you would have done on that day. Would you keep following Jesus? I wonder what it means for us today. Is the search over? Do we now know where to go for satisfaction? Jesus is saying you won't find it in self-improvement. You won't find it by climbing the corporate ladder. You won't find it by investing in your kids or the share market or in beauty products or a gym membership. Not that these things are bad on their own. But Jesus is saying real satisfaction is found in him. He is the bread of life. What does it not mean, though? What does this not mean? Because I want you to go away confused at this point. Jesus is not saying, come to me and you will never have any material want. He's not saying, come to me and you'll never need to eat bread like this or drink again. He's never saying you never need to worry about work or health issues. See, throughout history, many Christians have died of hunger or thirst, haven't they? We're just as susceptible to illness. Just as likely to contract a virus as anybody else. But we do know where we belong and to who we belong. And we do know where we're going with Jesus, raised up with him on the last day, sure of a certain future with him. Our deepest needs are met. We can be certain of that, can't we? Because God, our God, is in control. I want you to see this from the final verse in our reading today from verse 40. This is what it says. For my Father's will, that's God the Father, is that everyone who looks to the Son, that is Jesus, and believes in him, shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is God the Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son, that is to Jesus, and believes in him, shall have eternal life. See, we know where we belong. With the Son given to him by God, the Father. We belong to Jesus and we know where we're going. We will be raised up on the last day on account of feasting on the bread of heaven. 
the bread that gives eternal life. How do we respond to that today? I want you to be like Hong. I want you to reach out today and feast on this bread of life. And we do that, as it says back in verse 29, simply by believing in the one that God the Father has sent. We're to believe in Jesus, to come to him, take hold of our rest, take hold of our satisfaction and our hope, knowing who we are, to who we belong, and where we're going. Let me give thanks to God for the way in which he holds on to us. Father God, we want to give you great thanks that you have given us over to your son and that he won't let us go. We thank you that in him we know to whom we belong and where we're going. We ask that you would hold on to us tightly as you promised to do. Father, we pray for those who are still wondering who you are as a God. We pray that you would open their eyes and their hearts that they might believe. Amen.